it's surprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And I'm excited to have my good friend Rachel Shilkowski back on the show. A lot has happened in her life since she was on the show, shoot, over a year ago? We were talking about this earlier. I didn't want to look because I didn't want to give it away. It's been a long time, but it doesn't hasn't felt like a long time. Either way, 2019 and early 2020 has been a wild time in her life, and I couldn't wait to catch up. Uh, there's a lot in this episode, and um, just, just, you know, stick with it because it's all the way through. It really is something else. Rachel is one of the most thoughtful and um, effervescent people I've ever met. And I just love talking to her in any format, but especially this one, because she really touches on things that a lot of people can connect with, not just people at her level of running. The reason I love having her on this show, you know, this show is for, for the dedicated amateur runner, is that the topics that um, you know, are in her life, especially the running related and, um, physical fitness and health and body and those kinds of topics, um, affect a lot of us is, is, is a way of saying it. And I really think that so many of us can learn from the experiences she's gone through and not only that, but learn from the way she now frames them and discusses them. So I'm not going to speak for her. You'll hear more in a second. I do want to give a couple, uh, heads up about, you know, a couple of things that I'm really excited about. First of all, I'm going to be in Houston this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. Two live shows, uh, Friday night or Friday afternoon, four o'clock. Be at the expo with a live show with Molly Huddle and Alexi Pappas the next morning, 10 a.m. with Jared Ward. Also, we're going to do a casual meetup across the street from the expo, uh, at Eighth Wonder Brewery and Tap Room at 6 p, I'm sorry, 6.30 p.m. on Friday night. We'd love to see all of you there who will be in town at the Houston Marathon. I'm so excited for that. Also, Another thing I want to bring up is if you go to my new website, theramblingrunner.com, the website, I'm sure the, the URL isn't new, but the site has been completely relaunched. Also, I have a newsletter that will be coming out, uh, next, what, next, it'll be kind of a couple days from now. Uh, and we actually have a free runners, um, you know, dietary and nutrition, um, sheet. That my good friend and registered dietitian, Kelsey Chapel, put together. She's also a 253 marathoner. And I said, a registered dietitian. So she knows what she is talking about. And she knows from the running perspective as well, since she is a kick-ass runner. And a really good high-level coach for some of the top uh, young girl runners here in Rhode Island. Uh, her squad of girls just absolutely kill it every year. So she knows what she's talking about and works with a lot of people, not just from a running perspective, but also the dietary perspective as well. So go there, sign up for the newsletter. I'm going to send that nutrition guide out to everyone who does. Also, you'll find out how you, yes, you can be on the show with a new feature that we're going to be doing on a lot of uh, upcoming episodes. So with all that being said, let's dive into my conversation with Rachel Shilkowski. Rachel, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Matt. Thanks so much for having me again. Again, it's my pleasure. So you've been on the show once and we had such a great conversation about your background and just it was it was a blast. It was really well received. And then we had another conversation. We did. <laughs> that one didn't see the light of day, but I was excited to have you back on because 
so much has happened in your life. And it was funny. We had a little text exchange the other day. And I was like, hey, I'm excited to see you in Atlanta. If you want a pre-race beer, let me know. And then you, you, you gave me the news. There will be no Atlanta for you. There will not be. Yeah. I, um, yeah. So it's not, I'm, I'm not injured, um, or anything like that. I've just decided that that's not, uh, not my path, Matt, because I recently come to the realization that I want to steeple again. Wow. Which is like the exact opposite of the conversation that we lasted, right? It was about yep. like why why steeple wasn't going to be in the long-term plans and why you ended up moving to the marathon. You run the Hartford Marathon. Things were looking great. And it's such an interesting decision now. And I can't wait to hear the ins and outs of of kind of how you came to this, you know, kind of like a, a, like a 180 on a decision that you made in the past. And then for a while seemed like it was working out really well for you. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, when did we record? That was what, 2018? God, it's 2020. I feel like so old. Everything's just happening so fast. Um, but yeah, so it. I've been trying over the last couple of weeks to try and think of like, how do I want to say like how I feel and how things went from the steeple and then to the marathon and then back and then finally on a run like last week, it finally came to me. All my best ideas come to me when I'm either on a run or in the shower and I realized that the marathon was my rebound. <laughs> I legitimately broke up with the steeplechase and was just feeling like really sad and depressed and lost and was like, I'm going to do this new thing called the marathon. Um, and it was great. I mean, it was exactly what I needed. It was new. It was fun. I had no expectations. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and I really enjoyed it, you know, for the time, you know, those, that year and a half, two years. Um, but I don't know, I kind of just feel like it ran its course a little bit and sort of like any good slash bad rebound relationship at a certain point, you come to realize, okay, this is not actually what I want to be doing and where I'm supposed to be. And yeah, I kind of just had this realization Really, in the last couple of months, I'd say in like uh, in December, um, yeah, it just finally dawned on me that I was like, you know what, this is not, um, I don't know, this is not where I'm supposed to be right now. So it seems like you kind of had two roads to this decision, right? You had this the spontaneity of it; it hit me on a run. And yet at the same time, you also kind of describe this kind of this the, the building of momentum to this decision, in a sense. So what do you think were some of the factors that were kind of either consciously or subconsciously kind of bringing you to this point where you not only had this um, kind of lightning bolt moment on a run, but, you know, we all have ideas and, you know, th things that come to us, but oftentimes just as quickly as they come, they fade away. Whereas this one, I obviously had a ring of truth to it. Oh yeah, I mean I am I am the queen of like getting super excited about something and being like all in on it for like 34 hours and then totally dropping it like, you know, like a ping pong ball just like back and forth with the next crazy idea. Um but yeah, so I'd say it probably started after Hartford obviously. Um I mean, we can talk about that if you want. Long story short, spent a lot of time in a porta potty, had to walk a lot, had to stop a lot, finished the race somehow. 
Um, but yeah, so that, that did not go the way that I wanted it to. And after that, I was just feeling really burned out, not so much physically. Cause like I didn't really race. I sort of just like walk, jogged, sat in a porta potty. Um, but I was just more like mentally burned out. Like I was in really, really great shape. My goal was to run two thirty five that day. And I truly think that I was ready to do that. And so just having something as stupid as like, you know, my bowels again, um, ruin that was just really frustrating. So after that, in like mid-October, I hadn't decided at that point that I didn't want to run the trials, but I didn't want to force myself to say, okay, well, if I'm going to run the trials, I have to start training on this day and do this long of a build. I sort of was just like, you know what? I'm just going to let it come back naturally. I'm going to go have some fun, going to do some shorter races and just sort of like see what happens. Um, and I think I posted about this at some point that I was like, you know, I'm not going to force it. I'm just going to wait until I feel ready. Um, you know, and then, then it was November and I still was like, Hmm, I'm not like feeling ready for this yet. And then it was December and I was like, I think I'm going to run this track 5k. And so I went up to Boston and ran this 5k and just had so much fun with it. Um, and so that really got me thinking, I was like, Hmm, like that was awesome. And I want to do more of that. And I was like, but that is like the opposite direction that I'm supposed to be heading right now. Um, and then I'd say the thing that like really kind of put me over the top, um, in a strange way was CIM. Um, so obviously, you know, you had on a lot of people from the race, um, as did every other podcast host on the planet. Um, and I listened to so many podcasts cause I run by myself a lot. And for like a week straight, I just listened to all these people who either like just made it or just missed it or, you know, seeing all those pictures on Instagram. I think there's the one, you know, you just had Katie Spratford on last week and there's like the, that amazing series of photos of her and a bunch of other women, like right under 245 and just like the pure joy on their faces. Um, you know, and then like a minute later, like that heartbreak. And it's just, you know, I'm like on these runs, listening to all these podcasts, um, specifically listening to the one that you recorded with Peter Bromka, literally like tearing up as I'm running, which as everyone knows, it's really hard to like cry and run at the same time. Um, and I'm hearing him talk about just how much it meant to him and, you know, this, this amazing goal. And he's, He's so emotional and, you know, all those photos of people were so raw and I think it was maybe Lindsay Hine or someone else had um, someone who had just made it like a woman who ran like 244 or 58 or 59 or something. And, you know, she was crying and Peter was crying and everyone, it just was like so incredible. But I'm listening to all this and like, it's starting to hit me that like, I don't feel that way about the marathon. Um, and I just, I just, it finally, you know, after years of being away from it, it finally hit me that like, you know, the last time I ever felt that like wholly fulfilled or completely shattered by something was when I was steepling. And in that like moment, I was just like, all right, that's what I need to go. Like, that's what I need to, to do again. Like, I want to feel that way again. Like whether I'm, you know, Peter Bromka at 219.02 or that woman at 244.59, like I want to feel that way again in the pursuit of something. Um, and that for me is the steeple. Um, 
Yeah, I think, what is it? You talked about it with Peter. Um, he wrote that piece, Burn the Boats. Um, the quote, you know, if you, uh, if you want to take the island, burn the boats. And it just like got stuck in my head. And I just kept saying to myself, like, the steeplechase has always been the island. And like for the last couple of years, the marathon has been the boats. And I was like, all right, it's time to burn the boats. Like, it's time to steeple again. I love, I love the, I love your use of um, putting this in terms of like breakups and things like that. Cause it's something that I think that, you know, all of us can relate to certainly. And it, you, it, it, it does kind of have that feeling of like having someone breaking up with us or us breaking up with someone who like, you know, we we're having a fine time with, but afterwards we're like, yeah, probably better off. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, we've all been in that situation. And it's like, why did, if that's the case, why did I stick around so long? You know what I mean? And obviously if you, you're in those passionate relationships, even if they end, um, and they usually they end with tears and things like that. It, you, it does. It does feel like it's so all encompassing that it feels, even after the fact, like it was worth it in the end. Even if it, things didn't end in you know holy matrimony or whatever, it, 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 you don't look back and say, "Oh, I will. I would have never done that if I could go back in time." You know what I mean? Like you, you just can't imagine yourself saying that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean. I say, you know, like this metaphor of the breakups, because that's literally just popped into my head um, on a run. And it was just the thing that felt most right. Like, you know, I was trying to think of how to explain it, not to anyone in particular, but just to myself. I was like, well, was the marathon like a diversion? Was it a distraction? Was it an excuse? Like, what was I doing? Like, why did I? Because I literally like, I think I wrote some sort of like, I officially retired, which um, from the steeplechase in 2018, like April or May or something, which looking back now, is just like the most ridiculous thing in the world. Like, why did I do that? That was so dramatic. So I'm officially unretiring, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, but I did that in like April or May. And then in like June, just signed up for a marathon. Like I didn't, I was just like, yep, I'll just do this marathon. And it went well, right? I mean, that was part of it too, is that like, it wasn't like you, you entered the marathon world and like it didn't go great, you know what I mean. Obviously, Hartford this year wasn't a you know wasn't a huge success, and it had nothing to do with the training, as you mentioned. Um, but you know, it was, it was easy to see. Well, like, all right, like, hey, I I just won a marathon. Like, this is this is going really well. Let's keep it going. And I I want to ask you a question because this has always been something I've thought about since our first time talking um, on this podcast is. One thing that you mentioned was like, hey, I, I, you, you mentioned how you enjoy being self-coached and that you decided not to have a coach in the marathon, which always was one of those things where I always like it didn't quite add up for me. And, and maybe it's just because I was just purposely being skeptical. I don't know. But now, given this change of heart and going back to um, the steeplechase, do you think part of the reason that you didn't hire a coach was that? subconsciously that would mean that you were going all in on the marathon and ultimately that's not where your heart was at and you just couldn't pull the trigger? Hmm. I don't know. That's a deep question, Matt. This is like, I tr truly had never thought of it that way. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'll be honest. I, I just really like being self-coached. Um, I'm very headstrong person and I'm very difficult to deal with. Like when someone's trying to tell me what to do. So from that perspective, I really like it, but I don't know. Like I, 
I'm not opposed to getting one and I'm I'm not saying that I'm never going to but my my thought has always been as long as this is going well and I am improving and I am enjoying the training and I am enjoying racing then I'm going to keep going with it and if I get to a point where I'm plateauing or if I'm you know god forbid injuring myself which I haven't done yet knock on wood then maybe that's a sign that okay you know I need some outside help here, but I truly do enjoy it. Um, I think it's, it fits really well with, you know, my busy fluid kind of lifestyle. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess I never really thought of it like that. I mean, when I retired from the steeple in 2018, I really did think that that was it. Um, and it, you know, again, going back to the whole idea of like a breakup or something, it's, you know, people break up with people that they love all the time. You know, it doesn't, I, yes, there are some like very awful breakups where you're like, I hate you, but it wasn't that I hated the steeple. Like I loved it. It just made me so sad and I couldn't do it the way I wanted to anymore. And it, where it was once fun and easy, it was scary and hard. And I think I just got to a point where I was like, look, like, I love this, but I can't do this anymore. Like, literally, like some like rom-com or something. Um, so it wasn't that I like didn't like it anymore. It just, I don't know. But so when I transitioned into the marathon, I, I really did think, I was like, all right, I'm just going to be a roadrunner from now on. You know, there's no, there's no barriers. There's no water pits for me to hurt myself in. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I literally up until like two months ago, maybe two or three hadn't even entertained the idea of maybe I'll steeple again. Um, so yeah, I don't know. And it's interesting because I feel like you had this foray into marathons that a lot of amateur runners can relate to because so many of us kind of default to the marathon once we get to like you know becoming you know a dedicated amateur runner who's running 40 plus miles a week it ends up there's a there's a gravity to that race right where it just kind of pulls it kind of pulls people into it oh yeah i totally got sucked into it yeah and i feel like it's one of those things where even like a lot of people who are listening to this have never experienced professional running like the way you have and running the races you have i feel like a lot of us have had that pull towards the marathon so for you, what was it like kind of detangling yourself from that a little bit and, you know, just kind of deciding like, not only like this is what I really like to do, but also, you know, this is something you've spent a lot of time in, you know, in not only physically, but, you know, mentally and emotionally. What was it like just deciding like, all right, I just, it's not only that I don't want to run the marathon, it's just I don't want to be a marathoner per se. Well, I'll caveat that with, I don't want to be a marathoner right now. I definitely do still have goals with it. Um, you know, big, bold, ridiculous goals. Maybe later on down the line. I mean, the fact that we keep seeing people like Roberta Groner, Roner, like running outside her mind at 40 gives me so much hope. So there's a couple different, you know, factors um, playing into this. You know, at some point, John and I would like to have a family. Um, I come from a family of four and in my head, I've always been like, yeah, I, I want to have like three or four kids, like a big family. And then it dawned on me recently. I was like, shoot, well, that means I have to like have all these kids and that's going to like take a lot of time. So I'm still trying to like reckon with that. <laughs> so 
I'm trying to just like think like realistically, you know, like people are not objectively fast forever. Um, and I mean that like in the actual term of like, you know, true raw speed, like that, that will go away at some point. And so the marathon will always be there and I definitely want to come back to it. So it's not like I'm saying, oh, never again for the marathon. Um, but just that more like right now, the thing that I, you know, just feel like is pulling me like my, my North star, if you will, right now, just feels like the steeple. Um, and I guess you should explain a little bit to why, you know, people might think like, oh, well, why don't you just do the trials and then also do the steeple? Um, they are several months apart. So, I mean, physically, like logistically, I absolutely could do both. But in just trying to think of what is the what is the best way to set myself up to be successful in the steeple? Um, and by that, I mean, you know, I'm I am fully shooting for the moon. I want to make the Olympic trials in the steeplechase. Um, and in order to do that, I have to prepare a lot for it. Um, so back when I was in college and high school too, running the steeple was like riding a bike. Like we would come off of indoor and I would do like one hurdle workout, maybe go over a water pit, maybe not. And then I would just do the first steeple of the season and just knock it out of the park and it felt great and it was easy. I mean, shoot, like my my junior year, my first race of the season, unfortunately, was my fastest. But I ran 950 in the steeple, uh, like broke our school record and, you know, made it a time that was going to get me into nationals. And like, I didn't really have to prepare much for it because I don't know, it just it came really naturally and I didn't have any like issues with anything. Whereas, you know, after, after I had the, the ankle injury and then after I had the fall, all of a sudden everything was so different. I was timid and I had this big mental block and I was worried about my ankle. Um, so when I tried to steeple again in 2015 and 2016, I tried to approach it just like how, how I did in college where I would wait until like April or May and be like, all right, well, I'll just jump into that steeple next week and run under 10 minutes and everything will be dandy. But that was just not the case anymore because I had all this like crap I needed to work through, not just physically, but mentally. So I've realized now that it is not impossible for me to get back to where I was, but I have to, I have to really respect that I have a lot of work to do. And so that means like, I mean, I've already started doing hurdle drills. Like the, you know, it's like months and months away before I'll run my first steeple, but I'm doing hurdle drills and I'm doing wall drills and I'm hurdling and doing all that. And so I need to be working on stuff like that. Um, I need to be, you know, getting faster again and stronger again. And I need to run some good times in indoor so I can get into the big races in outdoor because people at the big meets don't always let you in when your PRs are five years old. <laughs> so there's just a lot of groundwork that needs to be laid. Um, you know, if I want to set myself up to really take a shot at this in the spring. Um, and so I don't know, in, in December, when I was first starting to wrestle with the idea of do I want to steeple again? Well, what about the trials? What should I do? I was talking to some friends and family and some of them were like, well, you know, why don't you just go to the trials and just just run it, you know, like you could just run it as like a long run or something. And it's like a hot second. I was like, yeah, you know, I, I guess I could do that. Um, you know, still go and like enjoy the experience, but 
the more I thought about that, it just felt really like disrespectful to the people who were there who were really training for it and putting in all of their effort and to the Atlanta Track Club who is going to be paying for everyone to go and, you know, making all these accommodations and all this like wonderful amenities. Um, and then too, to all the women who ran, you know, 245.05 and who are not going to be there, that it just felt kind of like, I don't know, just kind of wrong to just go and not give it the respect that it was due. So, and that was like, that's, probably one of the biggest reasons why I've waited so long to talk about it. Um, I mean, I, I think anyone who's like followed, you know, my Instagram and such lately be like, wow, Rachel's doing a lot of short stuff. Like I haven't seen her do a long run in a long time. Like I'm with- raising my hand. I'm raising my hand. You can't see me. This is an audio, not video podcast, but yes, I was absolutely one of those people. <laughs> yes. And so like, I'm sure if anyone put two and two together, they'd be like, she doesn't really look like she's going to be ready to run a marathon. And so. I'm sure that people started to wonder that, but I just, I was, and still am really kind of nervous that people will be, I don't know, upset or, um, think that I'm, I don't know, like diminishing the hard work that people have put into to qualify. Or like I said, for all those people who worked really hard and came up just short. Um, so it's, it's not that at all. I mean, I have so much respect for everyone who's going to be running, everyone who dreamed of running and who isn't going to be there and it's going to try again in four years. It just, it's not that I don't think it's, it's a worthy goal or a worthy pursuit. I just feel that I'm being pulled somewhere else right now. And so, yeah, I just, I just want people to know that, you know, it's not, um, it's not like I think, oh, I'm too good to run this race because it's it's absolutely not that. It's just No, I mean you want what they have. They have this passion and this feeling and that's exactly what changed it for you. It's like, "No, you have what I want and in order to get that, I need to make a change." Yeah, I need to do something different. All right, so let's let's talk about let's talk about what how, how you're going to do that before um we talk about some other things because I'm so intrigued by this process. So let's talk about like, all right, before we talk about like the changes in your training, right? You kind of, you know, kind of talked a little bit about that already, but, you know, kind of bringing the explosive stuff back in and, and some of the, the speed stuff. I mean, not that the, not that the steeple is anaerobic per se, right? You're not running the 400 meters. So there is, you know, that, that huge aerobic capacity that still is going to be, you know, the, the, the biggest part, but it is very different. But before we get to there, what kind of times, do you need to start running and when in the, in the spring, like just logistically, what are some of the things that you've kind of mapped out? Like, all right, by this time I need to be around this and so on and so forth. Right. So good question. Always good to just, you know, let's look at the logistics of this. So the qualifying mark for the 3000 meter steeplechase for the 2020 U S Olympic trials is nine fifty. Um, my personal best is nine forty three. I ran that in 2014, I think. Um, I've run under 950, I don't know, maybe five times, five or six times. My high school, my uh, college coach, Arthur, would probably know each and every one, tell you the splits, yeah, off the top of his head. Um, so, yeah, so it's it's 950. Um, 
I want to say in 2016, it was 9.53 or 9.55, and um, they'll take 24 women. In 2016, 36 women hit the A standard, so they actually ended up having to take 12 more people than they were expecting. Um, So the way it works is anyone who hits the A standard, you automatically go, and then from there, they will fill the field to their listed field size. At least that's typically how it should work. Sometimes, you know, things get kind of weird, kind of dicey. Um, but for the most part, that's how it works. So if 20 people run under 950 and um, then they will take the next four people, you know, maybe they've run 51, 52, 56, 57, something like that. Um, but yeah, so ideally it would be great to just run under 950 and not have to play the guessing game because you literally won't find out if you're in or not if you um, haven't hit the A standard until like the week of, <laughs> like the week before because they have to wait until entries close and look at who's entered and who's scratched and all that. So the best bet is to just run the damn time and not have to worry about it. Um, but yeah. So in terms of a plan for that, um, yeah, I mean, I've put together a list of some races. Um, I want to give myself a lot of opportunities. Um, in 2016, I kind of decided at like the last minute, like the end of May, I was like, I'll try to make the trials. Um, and that was just, it was so like, so scattered and so half-assed. Um, and I just, I wasn't prepared and I ran out of time, like, there there just weren't enough meets for me to go to. Um, so I'd like to start early and just give myself a bunch of opportunities. Um, so this year, I am prepared. I have a plan. I have listed out seven potential races. Um, there could be more. But um, yeah, just a bunch of ones because I just want to give myself opportunities. And I don't want any one race to be like the end all be all like, oh, my God, if I don't make it at this race, then it's over. Like, I want to be able to know, okay, I can go into the first couple and just feel it out. Like, literally, the first race that I do, the goal will just be to not fall and to stay on my feet, um, not, you know, have, like, a horrific incident. So, and then from there, we will build. Um, so, I think I think uh, the first ones that I'll do will be somewhere here in Rhode Island, actually, um, Providence College puts on in the Ocean State Invitational every year. It's like the second week of April. Uh, sometimes it's on my birthday, actually. But so that's a great meet. Um, it's more low key, um, but for one of my first ones, that's exactly what I need. Um, the last thing I need is for my first steeple back in three years to be like some big giant invitational where I'm like going, you know, getting way too amped up and too freaked out and stuff. So PC is literally a half mile from my house. I could walk there. I could warm up over there. There you go. See, that's your warm up. Leave the car at home. Warm up is running to the track. Yep. Just, you know, casually just run over, carry my spikes. Um, but yeah, so I think, I think that will be the first one. Um, there is another meet at Bryant University at the end of March. But for all I know, it could be snowing that weekend. So we'll play that by ear. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think just keeping it super low key for the first ones will be key um, to just not getting too ahead of myself um, and to just just build some confidence because that's that's really the 
the biggest hurdle, haha, get it? See, that was a pun. That's the biggest <laughs> hurdle to me being able to do this right now. It's not, um, it's not that I won't have the like physical speed for it. So, um, something that a lot of coaches and, um, steeplers will say is depending on how good your hurdle form is, you can usually take your 3k time and add somewhere between 30 and 35 seconds. And that should put you in the ballpark for what you could run for, um, a steeple. And they use 30 to 35 because there's 35 barriers in the race. And so if they assume roughly one second loss, um, per barrier that you go over, that's how you get that. So obviously if you are, you know, a gazelle and a beautiful hurdler like Emma Coburn, it's probably a little bit less than that. Um, if you are, you know, someone who isn't as fluid, then it might add more. So if we assume, I don't know, 35, cause let's face it, my form is atrocious. I don't so much hurdle them as I just sort of will myself over the barriers. Um, I mean, I just ran 916 in the 3K two weeks ago. So from like a physiological, you know, fitness perspective, that puts me right there. Um, so I'm, I think if I can just, you know, stay like healthy and just keep going on the trajectory that I'm at as far as like workouts and things go, I'm, I'm confident that I could have the fitness for it. I just, um, I just need to get over that damn water pit. <laughs> so that's literally that's the thing. I mean, uh, I've been doing a couple hurdle workouts and they're not great, but they're getting better. And I'm pretty confident I can get over them, um, you know, without falling or, uh, losing too much time. So honestly, it's really just, um, it's really just getting confident again over, over the water barrier. Um, I haven't uh, figured out a hundred percent how I'm going to, go about doing that. I've I've been thinking like maybe I should get some sort of like mental coach, like someone to help me like truly work through cuz it is. It's it's a mental block. Um I mean, in 2017 when I was like one of the last seasons where I really steepled in the early parts of the season when I was trying to prepare for it, like I would I would go to the track and I would go to the water pit and I would just like stand in front of it and just like just blank. I was like, what, like, how do I do this? Like, and, and I would do that thing where like, I'd run up to it. And then like at the last second, just like stop and put my hands out and just be like, damn it. Like, ah, and it was so frustrating because like, that was never, I never even had to think when I was going over barrier, like even in high school, when I was just like this snot nosed kid doing it for the first time, I don't ever remember being apprehensive. I just ran at it and jumped over it and yeah, it wasn't pretty, but there was no second thought. Um, and so that's really the biggest thing that I have to work on is just that, that fear of the pit, that fear of falling again. Um, yeah, it's like every time I look at a water pit, I just instantly start picturing myself like tripping and falling into it. And it's like, once I start thinking that I'm like, don't think about it, don't think about it. And then it's like, shoot. So that's, that's where I'm at. I just gotta, I just gotta get my confidence back. I gotta get my swagger back. There you go. So it's it's funny how you described it at first, just looking at looking at the water pit, just standing there. Like I'm envisioning like a seven year old looking at the deep end of a pool and just being like, I can do this. I can do this. But then, you know, again, like skittering to a stop, like just before. 
Yeah, literally. And I mean, and it's, that would happen over and over again. And I, I freaking have that on videotape because you tape yourself going over the pit so you can see your form and stuff. And so, I mean, and it's, it, when it was happening, it was like mortifying. I was like, here I am, like freaking have finished fourth in the NCAA twice in this event. And now I can't even do one. I was like, like, what is going on? It was, it was really frustrating. And I mean, that's, that's a big reason why I stopped doing it because I was like, I can't, like, I can't do it anymore. So, but I just need to put in the work. And even here in Providence, right, you have Roisin McGettigan, who is, you know, has been at the highest levels of track and is also now like a sports psychologist. And is now like literally who I was thinking about. I've been thinking that I need to reach out to her. Like she would be perfect. I mean, yeah. So I'm going to do it. I mean, now I've said it out loud. There you go. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And like, I interviewed her for the Problems College podcast years ago when they, you know, I was part of the team that started that. She's a PC grad. So we had her on the show and I was like, oh my gosh, like this woman is amazing. And now everyone knows that because she has the Keeping Track podcast where she does with Lissy Mantano and Molly Huddle. And, you know, she's great in her, you know, I love the Irish accent as well. It's just, it stands out. It's perfect. But, um, all right. So like with that being said, what do you have to do from a training perspective? Like week in, week out, like how does your training change now that you're, you're going all in, in this new direction? Yeah. Um, so I've cut my mileage back a little bit, not too, too much. I mean, when I was in like heavy marathon training, I would peak at a hundred, but I wouldn't hang out there too, too long. Um, so, but I don't know, I was between like 90 and a hundred then. So, um, so now I'm more like between 80 and 90. Um, I guess the big thing is I don't do any doubles anymore. Um, I'll just do like 10 in the morning and then, you know, like a longish run on the weekend. Um, but yeah, now instead of coming home and doing a double, I've gotten back into lifting. Um, I did it like kind of half-assed when I was marathon training. Like if I came home and I was like, oh, well I could lift right now or I could go for a double. I would always be like, I'll just do the double, which I don't always think served me the best. Um, but yeah, so like I literally just need to get legitimately stronger, like muscularly. Um, it's funny in, um, yeah, I think December 28th when I ran that 3K um, up at BU, the BU mini meet, um, I ran the 3K and then an hour later I ran the mile. Uh, and it was cool because they were co-ed races. So like we were in there with the men and stuff. Um and I was like competitive in both of my races. I led for a little bit. Um, but in the last 400 meters of both races, I got my doors blown off me by like high school boys. Like I just did not have that next gear. Like I, I didn't slow down, but I was just like, and this is the only speed I have. Um, so that was kind of a good little like wake up call that, okay, like we need to actually get that like pep back that like, you know, firing on all cylinders that last lap. Um, but yeah, so just been doing more lifting, um, obviously some more, more sessions on the track. Um, not as many spicy long runs, which makes me sad. Cause I do, I do love a good spicy long run. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know what a spicy long run is, that's just what I call a long run that has marathon pace in it. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. And just getting back into those shorter races, um, and really just like learning how to compete again. I feel like, I don't know if it's just because this is the experience in the marathons that I was in, 
or if this just happens in a lot of marathons, but you always like end up by yourself and it's just sort of you versus the clock versus, you know, gravity. Like I need to just keep going forward. And so I feel like in the last year, I've kind of like gotten away from like actually like competing, like head to head with someone and tactics and things. And obviously when you're on the track in a shorter race, like that plays in more. So it was kind of fun in that 3k that I ran. Like I was like employing tactics again. Like I, you know, sat on someone for a lap and then was like, all right, I'm going to go around them here and then I'll make my move there. And so just like getting back into that rhythm, um, yeah, I feel like in the marathon, it's just it's just a little bit different. Obviously, the race is so long that you can't and shouldn't be sort of like in the zone the whole time. Um, like that would be to a detriment. But when you're in, you know, in a shorter race like that, um, and one where there's like things that you have to actually focus on and jump over, you have to be much more like in the moment. So just kind of getting back into that mindset um, will be good in the and the races that I'm doing. So doing some shorter indoor stuff. I'm running a cross country race next weekend. I haven't done cross country in like two years. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah. So one thing that you're known for is just being as open and honest as any runner I know, um, whether that's someone who's competing at the highest level to people who are competing at my level, <laughs> frankly, um, being open and honest, you know, not not in a way that's, you know, like in a very thoughtful way, I should say. And one of the things that you were very thoughtful about um, in 2019 was discussing and kind of being very open and honest about uh, your experiences with disordered eating and then also, you know, finding a therapist and working through therapy as well. How has that gone since, you know, the last time we talked about this? Obviously, we didn't air that episode, but, you know, I know that that was, that was very, that was very early on in the process for you kind of after opening up and how have things kind of progressed over the past several months? First of all, I appreciate you asking. Um, and I know that you're not just asking as a podcast host, you're asking as a friend. So that's appreciated. I also appreciate that you are going to let that episode sit in the Disney vault forever, never to be released. <laughs> because the fact is, it just at that time, like, I am glad that I came out and said what I said. Um, and I did want to talk to you about it, but it was all just so new. And I just at that point, I didn't even really know like what was going on um, and just how to explain like what I was feeling and what, you know, what I was going through. So that, you know, would be interview that we had was really just like a jumbled stream of consciousness. Um, but yeah, so what's happened since then? I think that was that was in like May or June. So right after I, you know, came forward with the fact that I've struggled with what I believe to be bulimia. Um, which I have since come to learn with the help of professionals, it's not actually the case. <laughs> I don't technically qualify from a like legitimate medical standpoint for the disorder of bulimia, um, which just goes to show how like little I knew about anything I was talking about. Um, and so that's just based on like the actual um, diagnosis for it is a certain like number of incidents per week, per month or something like that. Um, and it's pretty frequently in order to be um, classified as actually bulimic, whereas the things that I have been struggling with or had been struggling with was more just like intermittent 
I don't know, like it would happen a bunch of times in one week and then I'd be fine for a month. Um, so, but anyway, that's, you know, just semantics. Um, but yeah, so after, after I came forward with that, I, I did find both a therapist and a nutritionist. Um, but it just wasn't the right fit. It was, it was interesting. So I only can explain what was wrong, not wrong, but what, what wasn't working in that situation, because I now have a new therapist where things are better. So the people that I was talking to in June and the way we were going about things, that would have been so helpful for me six or seven years ago, because the way that they were trying to get me to think about things and what we were focusing on was a lot of the struggles that I had when I think I first developed an eating disorder. And that was back in college when I was very restrictive and didn't get my period for three years. Um, A lot of the things that we were working on in June with that first set of professionals was a lot of, you know, the, the body image and the weight and how it's tied to running um, and, you know, how I feel about myself, um, which are all very important topics, obviously. But, you know, I spent a couple months working with them and we're going through all these things, talking about, you know, how I feel with my family and, you know, deep-seated fears and things like that. And it just wasn't getting better. Um, And then, you know, so I stopped working with them. Um, and then, then throughout the fall, I really got into a good place where, you know, with my, um, how I was feeling about, you know, my body, I was very accepting of how I looked and how I felt, felt very comfortable with my weight, you know, just sort of fluctuating between 138, 140, um, was just feeling like really good and was having good performances and, it was still a problem. And so that, that was really eye opening to me where I was like, okay, like if I've, if I've solved quote, these issues that are supposed to be, you know, driving this, like if I'm, if I'm happy with how I look, if I'm okay with how I weigh, if, if I'm not worried about that, if I'm running well and things are good, then why is this still something that crops up every now and then? And then, so I, I went to a new therapist um, in, I think, November, um, and we had this just like amazing first meeting. And at the end of it, she was, you know, just sort of like sat down and just said, and she's like, I don't think your eating disorder in its current manifestation is about weight or body image or running. And that would just like blew my mind. I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, of course that's what it's about. And she's like, no, 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 that's, that's how it started. And that's what fed it for a long time. She's like, but eating disorders can change. Like diseases change. They evolve like all the time. She's like, you're in a different place now. And she like helped me see that what I have been struggling with for the last couple of years is more about just like stress and anxiety. Um, and that this, you know, there's these awful binge purge episodes that I will go through are just like this kind of weird and strange way of coping with 
like feelings incredibly overwhelmed and honestly just really isolated and alone. Um, and so she sort of just like laid that on me and like, yeah, like I said, it just like blew my mind. And then like, I went home from that and just started thinking about it. And I was like, you know, like that makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, since, since moving to Rhode Island in 2017, like I have been just like really isolated and feeling really alone and just super stressed. And, you know, when I look back at a lot of the times when I would have these episodes and these troubles, like, sure, you know, sometimes they would coincide with, I don't know, a holiday where I ate more or, you know, a race weekend or something. But more often than not, it was just me feeling really overwhelmed and just not knowing how to deal with that and just not knowing like who to talk to about it. Um, so yeah. So, and it was like once, once she said that, and once we started just working on like helping me deal with anxiety and stress and like those feelings of isolation in a healthier way, it was like all of a sudden I was seeing so much more progress um, and yeah, so, I mean, that's only, I've only been working with her for like two months now, I'm seeing her again next week, but it's been really good. Um, and it's been like, I've wanted to sort of talk about this more. Um, but you know, like with so many things, just trying to like find the words, like what am I, how am I trying to, you know, eloquently say what it is that I'm thinking, but I think it's this has been an important thing for me to realize. And I hope an important thing to share with people is that, you know, eating disorders are not always just about food or weight or how someone looks like there's a lot more to it. You know, I think, I think one of the reasons why people are so hesitant to say I have an eating disorder is because people automatically think two things. Okay. You're either anorexic or you're bulimic, because those are just the two things that people know that people, you know, people hear about, but it's so much more than that. And I think people are so afraid of being put into this category that they end up being unwilling to sort of say anything. Um, and I know that that was a reason why I struggled with coming forward with it for so long, because even though I erroneously thought I am bulimic, in my head, I knew this is not like, you know, the textbook version of this. This is not what like, you know, if you Google bulimia, I was like, that's kind of it. But like, I also have all this other stuff. Like, what is that supposed to mean? Um, and so, yeah, just like struggling with trying to figure out like how to define it and figure out where, like where I fit in it um, was a big reason why, why I waited so long. And then honestly, like after I did come forward with it, it was really frustrating because then, you know, there's all these people who now have this idea in their head of like, what's happening with me. And I'm like, no, that's not, that's not it. <laughs> it's not what you think. It's, I don't know. It's like something totally different. So um, anyway, I realized I have lived up to the rambling runner namesake and just rambled for God knows how long, but long story short, I am getting help and I feel really good about it. And I feel like, I feel like I finally figured out what like the underlying issue is and have realized that the eating disorder is not the underlying issue. It is the symptom of the underlying issue, if that makes sense. 
Oh, it absolutely makes sense. And as someone who has you know gone to therapy and seen um, different therapists, one thing that you always hear is, you know, even from the therapists themselves, is all right. Make sure you're talking. You know, make sure if if, we're, if I'm not a good fit, try someone else. You know, the, you 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 hear them say that, and this is not new. Um, and I really appreciate them saying that. And people who have gone through therapy will tell you that as well. However, it's one of those things that's easier said than done, because. I know this has been my experience. I would love to hear if this has happened to you is this idea of going to see a new therapist after one didn't quite work out is like, all right, I just don't want to talk about all that stuff again that all I've already again. discussed, <laughs> right? It's like we were at this point, right? Like we've, like we've, we've, we've cleared the moat of, of crap, so to speak, <laughs> and trying to get to this other side, to this, you know, valley of good feelings to stretch this metaphor to its breaking point. And I just don't want to go back over that moat. And even if that other person's better, I've already talked that stuff to death. Do I really have to do that again? And I know that's always for me been the hurdle of like, I know academically speaking or intellectually, I should say that, that, that finding someone better is, is, is exactly what my current therapist would tell me to do, but I just don't want to do that. I just, I'd rather stick with this or just do nothing. And what was that experience like for you? having this feeling of like, okay, now I have to go talk to this person and spend a month regurgitating all of this stuff I've already said in the past. I mean, it's the reason why it took me three months to find another one. Like I worked with the first, um, it was, yeah, um, a psychiatrist and then a nutritionist that she works with and um, worked with them for like a month and a half, two months. And then it just wasn't working. And then, yeah, I was just like super burned out from it. I was like, oh, like it, it took so much like just so much to get myself to make that first appointment. Like, I mean, I had been saying for years, I was like, oh, I should probably get some help. Like this is, this is not good. I should go see someone for years. And then just like, didn't. And then, so finally I was like, I made the appointment. I went, I'm here. And then when it just like, wasn't quite working, I was like, damn it. Like, oh, like, so I feel like I had to like, wait a little bit to like recharge the tank and be like, all right, like, let's get ready. Cause you know, like, Anyone who's been to therapy or, you know, you sit down and they're like, so like, what's going on? You're like, dear God, where should I start? Like, don't throw that question at me. Like, start with something easy. Like, what is your name? Like, what do you mean? Like, where do you want me to start? I'm like, I have like 30,000 problems. Like, which one should we talk about first? I have 30,000 problems and that question is one of them. Yeah. Um, exactly. So, <laughs> um, all right. So. You've also done another new thing recently, not only spurning the marathon to go back to your first true love of the of the steeplechase. You've also started a new a new track running club. Or you I know, did. how would you describe what you're doing now? And I'm so excited for you because first of all, I'm in Rhode Island, so it's that's you know personally exciting not only for you but for me. But I'd love to hear about this and kind of the the genesis of you know why why this is something that you wanted to do and what you're hoping to accomplish. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I am just smiling from ear to ear because this is honestly the happiest I've been in so long. Um, 
starting this has literally been just like a dream come true. And again, part of it goes back to this, you know, wonder therapist that I have now, because at the end of like our first session, when, you know, she was helping me realize that, you know, I have all this stress and and anxiety, she made the very astute observation that one of the biggest drivers of this is just that since moving to Rhode Island, I just had no community. Like literally, I mean, I have John and I always have John and like love him to death, but like one person is not a community, you know, like he can only do so much before I've driven him insane. Um, And yeah, I just, I don't know. It, I feel like people always tell you like being an adult is hard because, you know, you need to pay your own bills and make your own doctor's appointments and things like that, which are all very valid. But I feel like the thing that people don't tell you is that making friends as an adult is really difficult, Um, especially coming from high school and college where, you know, I was always on a team and it was so easy. Like you just, you just walk up to someone and be like, Hey, want to be friends? And they're like, sure. And then you're best friends and you do all this stuff together. Um, But that has not been my experience in adulthood and had not been my experience in Rhode Island. So just been feeling like really lonely the last couple of years and just really isolated um, between work and trying to, you know, do all these big running goals. Just like, I don't know, didn't ever see anyone like would just run by myself, go to work, double, come home, eat dinner, talk to John, go to bed. And like, that was it. And there was, it was just really, really sad and really lonely. Um, and yeah, so in the last couple months, um, like I said, with the help of my therapist, she's like, you need a community. You need to do like something that, you know, for you and find some support and do something that feels meaningful and starting a club of people like me who work or maybe who have kids or who have any kind of like life obligation, but who also just love to run. It's like, I want to surround myself with those people. Um, And it, I don't know, I feel like too, for a long time, and this like, sort of like ashamed that I would think this, it's kind of like a runner's elitist mentality. I like had this idea in my head that I was like, well, I need to find someone who is like training for the same things as me or who I can do workouts with. Like that's like, if I can't find a training partner or someone like that, then like, how am I going to make a team? How am I going to make a community? And then, I don't know, sometime in the last like couple months, finally just like dawned on me. I was like, being a team and being a community, like, does not mean that, you know, you have to run step by step every workout, every race, like being teammates goes way beyond, you know, physically running with someone. And it was like, once I, once I realized that, um, it's kind of just like the world is my oyster. Like, everyone can be my team. Like that, you know, mom who jogs with the double stroller, like I take inspiration from that or like, you know, the dad who has to run on his lunch break or just anyone. Um, And so then I just like the wheels just got turning and I was like, I just want to find all these people, like specifically all these people in Rhode Island, because I feel like Rhode Island gets forgotten about and we're here too. And so I was just like, I just want to find all these like people who are working really hard and who have these big running goals, whether it's a BQ or they just want to like, you know, break 30 in a 5k. 
but who also, you know, have their have their lives. Like, what is it that you say? I feel like your your tagline is like it, you know. Um, what is your tagline? Say it. <laughs> Dedicated amateur runners who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. Yes. See, that is exactly it. I want those people. Um, cause like those are, those are my people. Um, I mean, I guess tech, well, actually no, um, so many, so many announcements. Um, I'm actually no longer sponsored by rabbit as of, as of this year. Um, it was an amicable parting, but I, um, our group is going to be trying to pursue sponsors and I just, I really just want to be like fully a part of the team. Um, Oh, like it sounds really silly, but like if we get team uniforms, like I want to be able to wear it. I want to be able to like be all matchy matchy with my teammates. Um, and it was just, it was just going to be kind of difficult to be individually sponsored and then also be trying to like make things work, um, with another, other sponsors. Um, and so I talked with them and they were so wonderful and so understanding. Um, so yeah, so that I'm officially an unsponsored runner. I'm officially maybe amateur. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Um, you're Rachel Schukowski. That's it. You're, exactly. just, you're Rachel Schukowski, man, in the flesh. I love it. Yeah. So I'm just bringing all those people together and it's all still very loose. We're just figuring it out, but my head is teeming with ideas and we're going to run races and, you know, hang out and just spend time and work hard and support each other and do cool things in the Rhode Island running community. We're going to work with some charities, do some volunteer stuff, just a lot of really cool stuff. And it's just got me feeling like the most excited and hopeful that I have in years. So, and it's the Mavericks track club. That's what it is. Got to say the name. And you took the words out of my mouth. I was about (laughs) to ask. And if someone is in the local area, obviously Plenty of people listen to this all over. It's the beauty of podcasting. But if someone is in the Rhode Island area and is interested, where should they go to find out more? Right. So you can go to maverickstc.com. Um, and there is a contact page. There's a join now page. Um, you can reach out to me on Instagram, Rachel and her laces. Uh, we have a Mavericks Track Club Instagram account. It's just Mavericks Track Club. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, even if you're not sure if you want to join, if you just want some more information, reach out. Um, this is all abilities, all genders, open masters. Um, it's just, you know, for anyone and it's not, it's not just Rhode Island. We're a USATF New England, um, club, which means anyone in Rhode Island, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, or Vermont can compete, um, in, um, USATF New England races for us. Um, we do have like a, a bit of a specific goal to help um, the Rhode Island c- community just because, like I said, I feel like we get a little overshadowed by Boston and Massachusetts sometimes. But anyone living in like that southeastern mass, um, totally willing to let you join. Um, and yeah, we're just trying to we're just trying to like connect people together. It's not it's not going to be like, you know, everyone has to be at practice at 6 p.m. on Wednesday and 9 a.m. on Sunday. It's because, you know, the whole point is it's people with busy lives, people with crazy schedules. Like we don't want to add to your plate. 
We just want to help people get connected and meet other people maybe in their area who are around the same speed as them, who, you know, you can find training partners or even if, you know, a bunch of us are going to the same park, even if we run different speeds, we can all meet up and then we can pair off and do our run and then go grab brunch after. Like there are many ways to sort of do things together. So um, yeah, it's anyone don't care how fast you run, how slow you run. Only qualification is that you have some sort of big, ridiculous goal that someone once told you was impossible. And you're just going to try and do it anyway. I love it. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Matt. I I feel good. I have been um, stressing about how to make these plethora of big announcements for months um, and this was good. It was good to just chat with a friend and just just get it out there. Rachel, thanks again for coming on. Always so much fun talking with you. Like I said in the intro, man, I love all of our conversations. They're always so much fun. And just the energy level that Rachel brings to life is uh, is really admirable. It's something that, shoot, I wish I had plenty of occasions. Uh, and it's just so much fun to engage with her. Also, big ups to our two sponsors. Prevenex, I trust them every morning. I know with supplement companies, you don't know who to trust. So let me tell you, I trust them. And I know this because I used their stuff for two months before I ever said their name on this podcast. Use code RUNNER15 to save 15% on your first order. Also, tune up CBD. I've trusted them for a long, long time. And use code RAMBLING to save 10% on your orders of tune up CBD. Both of these promo codes are in the show notes. You can check them out there. Thank you so much for listening, rating, reviewing, and sharing the show. It means so much to me. One last thing that you can do, if you are a subscriber to this show and you have gotten a lot out of it over the last two and a half years or so, I would love it. I would be just over the moon if you could support the show on Patreon. Now, there's two levels, $1 or $5 per month. Literally $1 a month. If you love the show, if you subscribe to the show, I would appreciate it if you would do $1 a month. The Rambling Runner, coaching and podcast service. This whole thing, I really believe, could be a full-time job for me. I want to make it a full-time job, and getting the support of the community can help me do just that. So thank you so much for listening. Again, I really appreciate it, and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.